Grant Cardone's more like, hey, just spray and pray and get as much attention as humanly possible. And but then he also wants you to follow up deeply, which is the small contradiction in that is that if you spend all your time following up, then it's kind of hard to consider getting new people into the top of the funnel. So, you know, what what part of the funnel do you want? Well, if you do, it, it almost would be pretty concerning if you imagine that votes have a certain amount of money, like you could buy a certain amount of votes. So just like a conversion in marketing, there's a cost per conversion in voting. So completely controlling how, so yeah, that is, and how dealing with liars, that's what it's all about is that somebody put that same message out there and they know the cost per voter. They don't have to get you because you know, they're lying. This is Digital Marketing. Hey, it's Marky Grass here, and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. So that means that you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. It might sound too good to be true, but trust me, it works. The CEO, Adam Robinson, is brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5X your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. everyone. This is Marty Grass, the president of Digital Marketer. And this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you need to be focused on to the cutting edge tactics and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Dean Davis, the CEO of Supergel. And we're talking guerrilla marketing. So welcome, Dean. Hey there. Hey, so glad to be here and have so much to say about these types of things. And it's just really an honor to get your thoughts and have a back and forth. Oh, yeah. Well, it sounds like what you've developed is, is huge. So let's just uh, get into it. What is a guerrilla marketing? And tell me just a little bit about the kind of formula and, and calculation. Yeah, I've always been interested in this guy, Jay Conrad Levinson. I'm not sure if you know him. He's the founder of guerrilla marketing. He's this guy. He's no longer with us, but he founded this crazy concept. And basically, it's saying that everything is marketing. Everything in business, whether it's your name, your brand, how people talk about you, just every little possible thing is marketing when it comes to what you're going to be offering. So that's really what I want to do is I offer this gel, this soft rubber. And I had even reached out to a breast cancer boutique, a few of these breast cancer boutiques to offer because we have breast forms that last so long. But they actually said they last too long and they cost too little. (laughs) This is a breast cancer boutique, you know, and they said, well, we're worried that you might hurt the industry. So now I worry that, hey, maybe there's actually these products, like say, like an infinite battery that nobody's going to talk about because Duracell is maybe like, hey, I like the temporal nature of it, how they're temporary. So so basically, yeah, I decided, okay, well, I'm going to have to leverage guerrilla marketing. So I actually took a, a truck and I drove it over the breast form to show that it could literally withstand a truck being driven. So it lasts so, like 10 times longer than anything else. And it's more realistic and all that. 
So just little fun things, try and get that out to leverage guerrilla marketing against, say, a monopolist structure that would have taken over in marketing. Because there's people who think that marketing is like a bad thing. Some people actually think that, hey, marketing can be bad for the world in some sense. And so this is sort of concept where it's like when somebody's really trying to defeat that type of thing, it helps to know what one could actually do as far as the structure of the actual funnel that you're offering. So with my particular product, I was just trying to get it out there to different breast cancer boutiques and that type of thing. So really, I just want to do a little fun, cheap. I pulled out my iPhone, I made a little video, and then I could send that around. And I was able to kind of get some more distributors with it and that type of thing. And from there, I basically want to know how much I can put into a sample uh, to justify the actual offer. And it turns out that I was able to make like a sample mid funnel, like a mo- tofu, mofu, bofu, the top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom of funnel. Well, for mofu, I was able to basically put in like 600, 700 bucks to wow a distributor for my package. And right, basically, I was only putting in like 10 bucks, you know, the, sh- the cost for the package to ship it, just different little fun things. So it just really shocked me. I was like, wow, how come nobody's really thinking about the fact that there's a certain power in the offer? So you have all these products out there with like just an excess of marketing budget. So therefore, they can put it into the faces of people that may not really want it. But if you imagine the marketing circle, the last outer rim, what do we know about that one? It's the most expensive to contact the people that are the last to say yes. So some people go, hey, why am I always seeing this thing? Uh, like, I don't even want it. And it's well, because they have... a just an excess marketing budget that they can reach people that really aren't asking. So Mm -hmm. this type of thing where you could really consider the fact that going high ticket gives you a lot more leverage and even following up is just a different sort of calculation. So I'm sure you've experienced some different things when it comes to your funnels that you're looking at and how much the ticket price should be. Oh, yeah. Well, I think for, for most small businesses and even marketing agencies, what they end up concentrating on a lot is awareness. So instead of we have the, the eight stages of the customer value journey, stage one is awareness. And a lot of the marketing budget goes there because people think, oh, oh I need yeah. more eyes, right? Top it's funnel. just top of funnel. And so when it gets to the mid funnel, which we call ascension, where you're saying, okay, you bought something cheap. Oh, let's go ahead and you got in the system. You've spent some money now. Let's go ahead and send you, excite you about the brand and, and yeah. get you going on higher ticket products. A lot of people just fall off the face because they just get the initial conversion. That and is they... so wild that you say that. It's top of funnel. Because again, that's what we're talking about when some people are saying like that marketing is bad. This type of thing is there's this new Little Mermaid movie that's out where they almost are trying to use some of the controversy that is based on the different topical conversations in culture right now and getting people to increase engagement based mm-hmm. on the factors of that. So when you consider the messaging, you really do consider that it's the environment that you put it out there that can really create the shock for people. Because if you say, hey, what is marketing really? You know, we're trying to get people to change their, trying to get awareness. So how long will you remember this sentence for? If you really do, every single sentence has a lifespan. If you say this sentence right here, will you remember this tomorrow? Well, it's got to be a shocking sentence, right? I mean, it's got to be something that would just be so weird, so anomalous. I mean, So that's the sort of weird thing where you go, hey, what does it take to actually shock somebody out of their frame? And how much of that is guerrilla marketing when you do consider it and branding and maybe get people who are able to really consider the factors like that and to build that into the product. Like they even have IHOP. They literally changed their name to IHOB. Just a little fake thing thing going like, and it made people 
People oh, got yeah. so mad about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, it's about pancakes here. Just so it doesn't take much to push people off of their, their little plateau there. So um, that's just some of the shocking thing. And I also wanted to mention about like how even Dan Ariely, have you heard of Dan Ariely? He's a behavioral in the behavioral marketing sort of, well, he talks about how you can even taste the font. If you have a wine, you have maybe some that's written in a fancy cursive, like a French cursive versus just a standard wine. It could be the same wine and people rate the one with cursive higher. They actually taste the fonts in this sense where you go, hey, do people actually not want to be lied to in this sense? So is marketing really that bad? I, I saw that there was even a point that you had made on a post on LinkedIn talking about how certain products that marketers with our skill sets or with the more skilled you are, basically, you could actually push products that people don't want. And then the world is actually left with something that's inferior. And I 100% agree with that. I think that's something that's really a key factor to recognize that this is really where our attention is, how I don't believe in free will. So I think that basically we, our environment really does dictate what, what we actually are doing next. So when you're actually able to a product that is shocking like that, then it does allow you to be able to have that always there in your mind and you can't put it out of your mind. Don't think of an elephant right now. Just don't think about it. So marketers know that about our mind, that they could tell you not to do something and that that's even going. So like when somebody does want something, how do they know they really want it? Or it isn't just a really big marketing budget mm. that's you know, done the sort of presuppositions that would make you feel a certain way about it and where you're going to defend it like your life depends on it. Well, I think all those concepts are huge. We could go off on the uh, the free will <laughs> argument. Yeah, well, or... I, I think they really do go together. I mean, it's one of the most interesting things in marketing is I really do tie the fact that this is the actual shocking thing where we don't know our next thought. And then when somebody does actually put that out there and they're actually able to take your attention and move it along, imagine a commercial with no melody, black and white, just a jar of mayonnaise sitting there. And how much do you want that mayonnaise right now? It's So you compare that to all the marketing and credibility behind the favorite family brand that's always in the fridge. And these are the sort of shocking things where we won't have any control over that type of thing. And do we want to keep giving people what they want? Well, turns out that when you have a monopoly like Apple or Amazon, these sort of people, they end up just taking over in a way where you, you know, people will choose that every single time. So what would it take to really disrupt that type of monopoly is this sort of thing? Is that kind of the concept behind guerrilla marketing that everything is marketing? So you have to consider the content aspects and your funnel aspects and your tofu, mofu, bofu. Is that all encompassed through the, the guerrilla marketing principle that you're talking about? Yeah, I think that usually when you see a new product breakthrough, then you'll see that maybe they've leveraged an ever more fundamental aspect of this concept of persuading somebody to make them feel like they made this decision to like this particular product. And some people say, hey, you need to hit them with repetition. You need to just put the message out there over and over and over. There's people that'll start the YouTube videos with a clap. There's all sorts of like crazy little subtle things that people get lost in the weeds. They go, hey, maybe if I change this button from a red to a blue, then maybe that would, you know, so people at all these sort of little like small, uh, irrelevant, and then all the way to maybe something that would be more fundamental, which as maybe an actual lifestyle product, because people, when they buy a t-shirt, they might buy a t-shirt that they actually 
that they believe in that says a message that they actually believe in rather than just something that's cheap or something mm-hmm. that's just there. So um, I believe in that too. I think that basically people are tribal and that when they put up, when you make a product, you should make one that's basically you're trying to start your own religion. I really do believe that because oh, yeah. I think that it can be all encompassing. And the best way to start with a product and to use guerrilla marketing as broadly as you can is to really consider all the factors that you have at play, which are the things that people care about mostly, the fundamental things that they think really are important to their life before they die one day. They want to be able to have something. They want to be able to create a mission. They want to be able to share who they are uh, as a person. So I think that guerrilla marketing, uh, giving them these sort of little tools like that, that is just communication. Marketing, would you agree that marketing in some sense is really just communication? I mean... Oh, yeah. It's just a 100% communication. Well, and the concepts that you're talking about are even when you said like, oh, this thing that they desire in their life, like that's something that marketers can dictate and have dictated in the past. I always go back to real estate where you say, the American dream is to own your home. And that's just (laughs) something that's so ingrained in the psychology of everybody who lives in America. That's the ambition. This is the... Once you have this thing, you've made it. And so... It's just a marketing concept. That's interesting. That yeah. was produced by the real estate industry. <laughs> and so, yeah, they'll put that carrot out there. They'll say, hey, you, this is your goal. This is your checkered flag. Or they'll say, if you don't, then what we're yeah, moving into is, and they'll start using the stick. If the mm-hmm. carrot doesn't work, then the stick comes in and they'll say, hey, we're moving to a renter's economy. So you better get your home before it's going to be only basically in the position of the someone else being your landlord. So that is interesting too, how we're so survival based and we really do need something that's going to like, we can't not think about that's mm-hmm. there. So if somebody does, my gosh, when you see the housing prices increase on a daily basis oh, yeah. at the degree, the threat does start to feel kind of real if people haven't already gotten their house and been been comfortable with that. So it, it is interesting how that aspect and people are starting to really leverage the fear sort of campaign. If you see like oh, yeah. ads or these Facebook ads these days, like they're really starting to use as many of these concepts as possible. Well, even the volume and the repetition, you'll see it with political campaigns mainly. They'll just hit you with the topic over and over again. And if you're in certain states or certain areas, you'll actually get stuck into the cycle. And I have this theories about liars. But if you think of liars, like it's something that you can't deny so many times. Like if you have somebody next to you and they're constantly lying about a certain topic, you can't help but have that start to be ingrained in what you believe and what you think. It's yeah. not on purpose. And you know, right. even if you acknowledge that somebody isn't telling the truth and you know it's wrong, but they just kept saying it, that it will influence it. you and, and you'll start making decisions on it. Marketing is evil. That no, is- actually, you brought up a <laughs> point, which is talking about politics. And this is one thing that I've never heard anybody really talk about. And that's the fact that votes have a dollar amount. I've actually heard, I've looked into it a little bit, and I've heard that there were about $30 to buy a vote. So imagine from a political campaign, how somebody thinks marketing is evil. Well, if you do, it almost would be pretty concerning if you imagine that votes have a certain amount of money, like you could buy a certain amount of votes. So just like a conversion in marketing, there's a cost per conversion in voting. So completely controlling how, so yeah, that is in how dealing with liars that's what it's all about is that somebody put that same message out there and they know the cost per voter. They don't have to get you because you know they're lying, but they'll go to someone else in the funnel. 
mm-hmm. or someone else in, in the, that little circle, that radius, someone outside, someone maybe you may be on the very outer edge that's you, they would have to spend so much money to convince you to change your mind. But somebody that they'll get plenty of people with that persistent, inaccurate information, low information voters on the center that are really cheap to convert because yeah. maybe they're not as concerned or privy. So, yeah, well, I, thought, I think that's a very good point. Well, so in everything, like you said, everything is marketing and the brands are on there in every aspect of our lives, whether we realize it or not. And they're constantly influencing us and the way we think. And I've actually realized this because I've done it in different industries where I make up a concept and then you tell it to enough people and eventually the concept will come back around to you. Somebody you tell it to to will come back and tell you about it. I have it (laughs) pretty often. Oh, well, did you know this? And I'll be like, I made that up. <laughs> that's the not, not that's evil or whatever, but yeah, if you do it right and you're consistent, because yeah. I think that's the thing that most markers miss, where you have all these awesome tools that you could use to influence people to encourage them to do certain things, but a lot of people shotgun it and then they barely do anything and there's yeah. no consistency. So there is an effect that happens, but it's so broad and indiscernible that you can't actually measure it. So I think that goes back to your statement about guerrilla marketing, everything's marketing. But if you don't hone it in a little bit to produce those funnels or even concentrate on those individual aspects of a funnel, the top, middle, and bottom, then it's not going to be effective. So in that regard... Yeah, that's right. With with the follow-up too, yeah. Grant Cardone and Jordan Dolfer, they had that seminal meeting or that talk where they were actually trying to debate on whether follow-up is what the sweet spot is, the old door to new door ratio. So Jordan Belfort thinks that you should probably qualify people mm. and basically only sell to people, market to people who want to see the message as much. Grant Cardone's more like, hey, just spray and pray and They're get right. as much attention as humanly possible. And But then he also wants you to follow up deeply, which is the small contradiction in that, is that if you spend all your time following up, then it's kind of hard to consider getting new people into the top of the funnel. So, you know, what what part of the funnel do you want? So that's kind of why I developed this type of thing. So I wanted people to actually know how to estimate their cold calls and their fails through the funnel because all the cold call math out there right now is wrong because they're all considering one call closes. If you were to follow up with somebody at the bottom of the funnel, that call is more valuable, you'd imagine, than somebody that you're placing a call to someone at the top of the funnel. But yeah, it is pretty shocking how you say that so much of the marketing is dedicated towards the top of the funnel. I mean, I have my calculations and my estimator, but you actually have years and years of experience in this and actually investing with people and really seeing how that actually, I mean, gosh, you must have such a wealth of knowledge on that. Yeah, I try to, it is hard to know, kind of culminate into something. Because when I had my agency, I worked with 300 different businesses and most of them were startups or very small businesses. And when you talk about funnels, like it sounds like, oh, everybody knows about funnels. No. The majority of people don't know about funnels. They don't understand what they are, how to use them, you know, how to change them, why they exist. Like that, the entire concept of a funnel is still very new to the majority of people. And so, what ends up happening is you have small business owners and even successful small business owners that are able to build these million dollar businesses on accident, where it's like, oh, yeah, I started selling that thing. And then my buddy <laughs> told this other buddy and then they bought and then this other buddy knew somebody and then they bought and then I got a deal with Walmart and then and then just kind of like this yeah. accidental 
crash yeah, into success. They don't even need to know all the subtleties in that sense. Well, no, they, but they would be so much more successful if they did, yeah. or they'd be working less, or they'd be more profitable, or they'd be greener, or they'd be all these other positive things that could happen if they just understood what the heck was going on in the first place, which they don't, and they yeah. don't have to. Except they're, they're successful. So it's funny because it sounds like awareness is the top just because it's maybe the easiest to understand, but it's really the only thing that most businesses understand at all. Like they don't, unless you're in, in a service industry, like a lot of people don't even understand follow-up. Like they'll be like, oh yeah, I have an e-commerce store and I have an email list. And they'll say, okay, well, how big is the email list? So they're like, oh, it's like 15,000 past customers. I'm like, okay, like, are you sending emails to them? No, no, I don't want to bug them. <laughs> I don't want to spam them. And I'm like, they bought something from you. They said yeah. they like you. They gave you money. <laughs> There's no larger commitment other than starting a business with somebody or getting married. Like those are the two bigger commitments than handing <laughs> somebody money. But the whole concept of Grillmar, I like it because it, it pulls in all the different aspects. But then again, it also pulls in so many aspects that this is why people aren't taking advantage of data for the most part, where it's like- they have, they know behaviors and they could manipulate them. But you also have that evil side where people think like, well, I don't want to tell people this because technically my product isn't as good as this other product. And well, they just I feel don't know how people bad. would respond. Yeah. If they're going to follow up over and over, you're going like, Hey, these people are saying they don't want to bug people. I mean, that's exactly right. And then they go look at the data. And then like you're saying now, there's just a ton of data that's almost contradictory. And that is always going to be the confusing thing. The aspect of that's why I built this little calculator. I was like really curious. I was like, okay, like, is this even worth it to follow up with these people? Like whether they like it or not, can I even afford to do it? Or can I do what I want to do? Because if I call them and they're not interested, why am I sending them all a sample? Maybe I should send them an email or a picture of the thing <laughs> instead of spending money on postage. So it really came down to me trying to do what the key thing, uh, my favorite aspect of guerrilla marketing, which is that Jay Conrad Levitson said it's about operating on a shoestring budget. And it, that's kind of the idea of a, a painter needs a canvas with edges. If you do think about, hey, I'm not going to spend very much on this. I need to use my mind. I need to use creativity on this then that's what kind of is so interesting about it is that, yeah, there is almost an embarrassment of riches when it comes to the options that it can be intimidating. But that's what makes me feel like the only way that we could ever compete against someone who has the top funnel locked down with celebrity endorsement, with credibility, with seniority in the industry. So you go, hey, somebody's intimidated by the top guys out there. And it starts to feel like the Illuminati in every school industry like there's a special group of people gatekeepers and or just celebrity people that it's just hard to even get through so that's the shocking thing you go hey i need to shock people now i literally had reached out to a lot of these top salespeople to tell them hey the cold call math is wrong the cold call math is wrong the numbers are wrong that are being told out there and it, they think that that's interesting <laughs> yeah, some of them, a lot of them, they think that's interesting. Oh, yeah. And I go, look, I can prove it. And they say, so this is the sort of thing where, yeah, you have monopolies, you have people who monopolize the top funnel, or they at least have a system that's set and they don't necessarily need to uh, investigate the subtleties, how you can make it better, how you can improve the accuracy of the information better, whatever it happens to, because they already achieved their single family home in their yeah. life. They have already achieved the checkered flag that they want in their life, whatever it happens to be. So 
that's that's why some people they might have that's why I've been just pushing out there regardless just like hey I want people to know this and that's why I love how certain things that do succeed out there they're from people who really don't even care anymore they're people who are like look I just do this the YouTubers yeah. just do daily posts like hey I'm just going to talk about my thinking and then people go like why is this person everywhere they, they, they don't try they never, yeah, they not only that, and they never considered the fact that it was never going to work because it was ridiculous to assume that you could ascend something. And then, you know, they're able to transcend that because they're not actually beholden to the reasonable nature of that. So, yeah, and it, it's really interesting if, if you do consider the fact of whether marketing is evil or not, because uh, you know, I saw this interesting quote the other day about a hero would would kill us and the, in the digital marketing audience to save the world, but the villain would actually save us at the expense of the world. You know, if you do think about it, if you love somebody, you'll let, you know, so that's the sort of concept of how, if you want somebody to be able to buy the product that you think is using gimmicky stuff, they're sold, they're an Apple fan. That's all they want. And maybe they're not the best computer, but you know, somebody that's tribal and they're completely a cult member of this new product. Is it wrong to not let them do that, to tell them that they've been coaxed? No, I believe that marketing is communication too. And if you tell a story well and somebody likes that, no way should anybody ever judge that in the sense that it can't be stopped. We don't know where humanity is going in the future. We don't know what if what we're all leading up to is good or bad. We do know that the more powerful a company is, the easier it is for them to adopt new customers because they have the top funnel locked down. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. Well, it's, it's kind of funny too, because that's really just a money issue because they could pay for the eyes if they need to. And going back to that political example, that's why you have candidates yeah. where you're like, nobody's ever heard of this person. And it's like, oh, it doesn't really matter because they're backed. And the same thing is true for big businesses where small businesses are having to make most of their decisions based on survival, right? They, yeah. they need to pay their employees. They got to take some money home. They yeah. could only work so hard and then they just end up in survival. So Big companies or well-funded startups don't have to think about that. So what they get to think about is all this more nuanced stuff where 
I'm not worried about making my paycheck next month. I have a year. I have a year of paycheck. And this is how most research goes. Because what you want to do is find the smartest people and put them in the best environments and have them develop the best stuff without thinking about how am I going to pay my bills? Because that is a terrible distraction that actually takes away from marketing and takes away from the true connection between your audience and your product is really the owner's need for your money. The owner, most of the time, wants to provide you with the best service and the best product, and they want to do everything the best. But at the end of the day, they have bills to pay. So they'll sacrifice some of those aspects to sell you a product, even though it might not be the best and so on and so forth. But if they had the time and the effort and the experience to actually build the funnel and be like, hey, I know the path people need to walk. I've done it with 10,000 people. The most effective change that I can make happen with my product is if I find this person and they're in this situation and they go through this funnel and they end up here and they're the happiest people. And I have a million testimonials to support this process. Yes. Problem is it's that's why you have these business, these uh, serial entrepreneurs that constantly create new businesses and are able to get them launched and making money because they know that process and then they have the resources to support it. So that's the other big key is for most marketers is it's you. It's me. I got to make my thing work. And you don't have all the money in the world. And even if you did, you wouldn't know how to spend it because you've never had to, you've never had all the money in the world. How would you even understand what you could do with it? So yeah. there's a big disconnect between those two things. So it's, I think it's like not, Henry Ford that was out there that said that people don't even know what they want. And if you would have asked them what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And oh, yeah. You got people out there that once they get so big, big companies, they don't necessarily need to keep checking in to see what people do want. And then you get these organic things which come out that already have a fan base of people. So like Tesla right now, they were able to completely take over just considering some of the little subtle aspects of what people do want. Uh, They want to be able to have something that's flashy and shocking for other people. Yeah, I think that Tesla is kind of like one of those tribal sort of things. Like it's almost like a social status marker where I'm driving down to my Tesla. And that's sort of other interesting aspects of it is that once you get a brand that's already got this sort of opulence, then one doesn't really need to consider all these other all these other aspects of it. But the resource issue really matters because even in the case of Tesla, because I was I was actually an early investor in Tesla and I, wow. I drive a Tesla and I think we bought it like 150, 150 when it hadn't split ever. And so that was a huge move. And we did it because, well, because they were catalysts. Yeah. I like these companies that actually just buck the trends and do whatever they want. Like those are catalysts for change because now everybody's trying to do electric cars and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, but he had the resources to do it because if you look at like my car is a 2022 and we actually have a 2019 too, and it's the same model car. And it is complete, like there are some significant changes. And that's why I always tell people with Tesla, I'm like, it doesn't really matter that all these bigger companies are coming out with products because Tesla has the data from over a decade of use. You can't even buy that information. Well, you can buy it from Tesla, I guess, but but you can't buy the impact that has on the current products because they were able to take all the information that keep on refining and keep on refining yeah, keep on. to every mile some one of their customers drive every yeah with yeah. as people are using these products leveraging but that. even time and resources doesn't necessarily mean growth because you have other old companies gm and you have all these ford and all these big companies that have all the money and all the experience and all the time and all the resources but they still put out crap because yeah. They keep starting over all the time. It's yeah, like an excess. 
Well, it's not, it's not exit. It's just bad leadership is what it comes down yeah. to thinking that, well, it could be a marketing function too, because they could say like, okay, well, we could make the new model of this car and we come out with the new model of the car and it's not going to sell for that much more, but people know and they trust it and it works really well. So we should sell it. And then yeah. accounting or let's say marketing guy comes in and is like, hey, I have this idea for a car. It's going to be brand new. It has a bunch of new technologies. It's bright pink is the main color. And they'll be like, ah, well, why would we do that? They'll be like, well, I could sell this small niche group, just like you're saying, when you identify that target market, it's really niche group. They'll buy this car for like two times that car, just because it's this and it has these features that they want. It's going to work like crap because it's never been driven before. And you could spend that same money to improve the existing model, which you have a bunch of experiences on. But marketing says which one's going to make better money right now. And and so you combine that situation where you have the potential for a bunch more money, say, next year or next quarter versus this, where it's long-term growth. And then the third factor, whatever number factor you want to put in, is the CEO for most of these big companies isn't around for more than two years. And all that yeah. person cares about is growth right now. And so yeah. they'll sacrifice all long-term development for money right now, which yeah, is back they, to yeah, that they, small yeah, business. They come and go, and then, yeah, they're making short-term decisions just like that. And it's interesting how you even bring up the different markets that Tesla does account for. They got the $150,000 car, and then they got you know the $40,000 car, or something that's a little well, bit Well, I more- think they're making too many cars now. Like, I want my sure. truck that I try, registered for like three years ago. Instead... <laughs> Yeah, we're doing the Y and we're doing the uh, plaid, whatever S. And it's just like, just could you make this one car that I really need because you don't have another car that's similar to it? And it's now they'll keep on going. They'll talk to the accountants and the investors yeah. and they'll, they'll do all those things. But, you know, Tesla is just influential and able to change this much because you have one guy in charge and that one guy is a lunatic and he doesn't even care about a lot of things that other people care about. So he's able to. Do yeah, you're even able to see what he did with Doji. Then, yeah, it's kind of build up a whole nother type of market. It just just by mentioning oh, yeah. and, well, and he's trolling. They called it a meme coin. They called yeah. it a meme coin. They said, "What's the value?" They said, it, "People people share it." <laughs> you know I mean? Oh yeah. Well, it's it's it, he just trolls marketing so much. Like the stuff that he does, he's just <laughs> manipulating everything. That's kind of the goal of all marketers on whether that's good or bad doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's, it's hard to not pay that. attention to that when you go, hey, I wish I would have invested in Doge when it, it has its little bubble. Like, And that's what's interesting about the most of these trends is that when they are hot, everybody wants them. And people can't see that what you're focusing on has magnified importance. So when Doge is trading high, then everyone thinks it's just always going to go skyrocketing. When everybody's talking about something, that's usually when the insiders know when to sell. And so it's kind of like a shocking thing where it's all like, they call it cons, a con game, confidence, con man. It's confidence. Hmm. It's a confidence game. So, I mean, when you do consider how people are concerned with marketing, it's maybe because of some of this selling ice to Eskimos type of thing where Eskimos don't eat ice, you know? <laughs> and what are you doing? You're using your confidence with something. You're using credibility, you're using celebrity endorsement, you're using the richest man in the world that doesn't really need to care about your key thing that you're concerned about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, so, yeah. so I think that just pull it back into to guerrilla marketing and funnel building. How could we get through all the, or how do you recommend that people get through all the noise and really focus on, say, the number of the calculation that you've 
you've made? Yeah, my estimator, you start just by putting in your desired how much you want. How much do you want to make? Either your total revenue or your per touch, if you want to know how much you want to make per call, or you just put in your ROI. How much do you want to make in your ROI? And then you could put in your leads, how many leads you have, and then under it, it'll say how many you would need. So you put it, yeah, it's like a four-stage funnel, say reach, propose, qualify, or reach, qualify, propose, close. So it'd be like a little four-stage thing. And then those could be swapped out for any four sequences, such as checkout, click on the page, what have you. And it'll tell you, hey, this is how many more you need to propose to, or your closing rate mm. is off. I added more to allow how much one could actually spend on a lead. So what does somebody need to do, basically? They need to consider what their offer amount basically is. That's the most important part of when I'm looking at this funnel is I'm saying, hey, even though so much of budgets are based on the top funnel, tofu, what is really critical as far as my estimations, unless you have the marketing budget or whatever, if you have a product, you don't really need marketing. If you have marketing, you don't need sales. So basically, when it comes down to a small person that's trying to break in, they should focus on the bottom of the funnel. They should focus on following up with the people who are highly related to the actual thing because otherwise you're just pushing it at people who aren't the best audience. It's going to cost more. So that's what I realized is that say you can only make a certain number of calls in the day. It'd probably be best to consider the lowest uh, on the funnel as possible. And so it's kind of like a realization that I saw where people, how do you do cold call math? They just say, this is how much you want to make. This is how many dials you need to do. That's like just a, the most like elementary sort of version. And even with this estimate, it took me like five years so far to develop mm. and to get into this position. But yeah, if somebody was going to want to build it up, I mean, the, the, the top of funnel is important, but also just when you consider guerrilla marketing, that this whole spirit is to do it on a shoestring budget that nobody really does need the money. I mean, in reality, if you can be creative enough and make something shocking to somebody or say it to the right person, they would rather buy a worst product in a better packet. Oh, I mean, yeah, there's so many different factors. But I do like your your focus on the bottom of the funnel where you're saying, especially when, with startups, which you know, a lot of people are because businesses fail constantly. They're in that new startup. But focusing on the bottom of the funnel saying, hey, what can you do right now to make a sale? And then expanding from there. And, into yeah, the... Grant Cardone's people, they send them a pizza with a slice out saying, we're the missing piece. Like these little yeah, it's memorable. Pizza. I love that stuff. And then some people, they're like, I can't get the person on an appointment. I set the appointment. They don't show up. So now there's this new concept of sending an ethical bribe. Hey, I have two gifts for you. You choose one on this appointment that we're about to be on in an hour. And then it increases show up rate just by saying, hey, you're engaging with them again. You may be giving them something. Yeah, they're making a choice. So that's just like an interesting little tool to get somebody to show up to an appointment is that before the appointment, you also just say, hey, choose this little fun thing that I want to give you for, for this time. So all these, this, this is marketing. This is still a oh, market yeah. budget. And yeah, whether you're going to put that creatively to someone at the bottom of the funnel to send them a pizza because they've already said maybe... But oh, yeah, I love it. But I think it just flips everything on its head. So love it. So where can people find the calculator or learn uh, more about your not, system? Basically, I've just been reaching out to the top people. I'd like to see it offered by some of the people that I deeply respect. And if people want to see it, just mention it and then definitely want to take care of everybody no matter what, because it's key for me. It, it means a lot for me. 
to try and have people know the real information out there. That's awesome. Well, we'd be happy to, to promote it for you. So we'll follow up with this podcast with an article yeah. and then people could learn all about it, learn about you and then learn about the calculation. Yeah. Anytime, any sort of question someone might have, I'm always available. And I just deeply appreciate you giving me this back and forth here because I feel like I've learned a lot. <laughs> hey, no problem. No, I think the concepts are really novel. And I love the ability to take something that's usually an abstract concept and then calculate it because it, you can't argue with the calculation, but you could always argue <laughs> with the abstract thought, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on. So do you have a website people could check out or? I have Remember This Marketing. It's my little, rememberthismarketing.com. It's my little site. Otherwise I have my gel company site that I have if somebody ever wants to make their own little gel product. We can get a little soft rubber, anything they want to do. Because there's a lot of marketers that I'm sure listen to this so they could kind of have their own little product to launch. It might be fun. But yeah, Super Gel Products is is our company. And yeah, that's Remember This Marketing is a little site. But other than that, they could just, reach out to you or reach out even to this podcast here. Oh, definitely. We'll put the article link in here too. But th- thank you so much, Dean. That was thank super you. interesting. I think guerrilla marketing and the focusing on bottom of funnel, uh, the calculation, like a oh, whole bunch killer. of values. This is killer. All right. So thanks so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who is clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarketing.com where you can access all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketing. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.